chapter 11, verse 14. I need you to like really think this morning. Honestly, when I wrote this message, I was in a much better place mentally. Like I'm tired this morning. (laughs) So I was reading back through my notes and I'm like, man, come on, Lord. Can you help my mind speed up a little bit this morning so that I can keep up with my notes? Um, But it's, it's, it's a stretch. And, and Jesus hammer, I love this, like what, what he does here is phenomenal, um, but it's a mental stretch, it's a mental game. And so I'm going to ask you to, to, play, to play a game with me this morning on a different type of court, okay? I'm going to ask for you to go in your mind's eye this morning and, and look down the halls of your mind. You know what I mean? Like some of you, you've got places that you go and, and you retreat to in times of trouble, in times of heartache, and that's, that's your mind, that's your soul, right? We could even bring that word in, soul. Where do you retreat to inside, and what does it look like in there? How's it, how's it decorated? How, yeah. Is it like the, what is it, the east wing? Remember Beauty and the Beast, right? He had his east wing where it's like everything's, is that what it's like in your chamber of thinking? In your personal space, you say, I don't have personal space, I got kids, well, there's a personal space. There's a place where you go to get away somewhere. And really, that's, that's what I'm preaching to every week. It's the soul, the condition of your spirit. Where, where are you and how are you inside, internally? Paul said it this way, I renew the inward man daily. What the, the, the wording that Paul used there in the Greek is like literally a coat of paint. Paul's saying every day I got to get the paint out and renew, renovate, paint the inside. Interesting wording there. Great word picture. So Jesus has just got done teaching us how to pray. And then he's going to flex his Jesus muscles and cast out a demon. And we're going to see the Pharisees once again come alongside and and try to condemn and try to... uh, really not just make light of, but say that he's playing for the wrong team. And Jesus is going to put them in their place quickly as he usually does. But I really, when I looked at the text this morning, and even just in, in time this week as I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but see the gospel logic that Jesus is applying to, to his life. And that's the title of the message, the gospel logic. And maybe some of you are better at logic than others. Maybe some of you think more logically, others more emotionally, but Jesus is going to break this down, and he's going to explain to them that what you're saying literally does not make sense. <laughs> you're, you're applying something that Satan would do to what God is doing and what God is doing to Satan. You got it backwards. And I thought, like, man, that's a good truth there. I wonder how many Christians apply what Satan is doing to God's team, give God points for what Satan did, and then give Satan points for what God is doing. You ever thought about that? With a spiritual realm of, of, of the flesh and the spirit, right? Romans 7 talks about that. And if you're saved, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then you're in the spirit. You're on that spirit team, not in the flesh anymore. So why are you giving points to the flesh team when you're on the spirit team? That's what I see in this text, and I hope it makes sense. And I have a feeling it's going to go into next week. Okay, I already said it, all right? Luke chapter 11, verse 14. 
look at it. And he was casting out a devil, right? Remember, we just concluded the Lord's Prayer last week. The Holy Spirit of God, God gave that to you so that you can pray to get everything that you need. And look at verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake. Don't, like, there's so many good little things in here. And the people wondered. Verse 15. And some of them said, he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, chief of the devils. In other words, he did that through what? Satan. He's doing things for Satan's team. And others tempting him sought of a sign from heaven. I mean, that's just stupidity. Verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, right? God and man, knowing their thoughts, said unto him, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. So Jesus is slapping some gospel logic on him real quick. He goes, not only did they say that I'm casting out this devil in the devil's name. But now they're asking me for a sign, which if I'm doing it in the devil's name, then shouldn't you be running? So that shows their duplicity, their curiosity was totally off the mark anyway. Hey, show us another one. I really don't care if it's the devil that did it, right? Like, this is just crazy talk. And then Jesus, when he breaks it down, he's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Knowing their thoughts, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Look at, look at 17. And a house divided against a house falleth. We take that verse so out of context. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> okay, we're about to see. So, if Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say... That I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils. Oh I love what he says here. By whom do your sons cast them out? If I'm doing what I'm doing in the devil's name. Then whose name are you doing it? So just to give you a little context. Just a few chapters before. The Pharisees were trying to cast out demons. And it wasn't working. They didn't have the power to do it. So Jesus, he's so smart, right? He remembers that they were trying to do it and it wasn't working. So he's like, oh, wait a minute. If I'm doing this and it's in the devil's name, then whose name are you doing it in? Because if you're doing it in God's name, then God is a what? Liar. Because you're trying to do it and it's what? Not working. Gospel logic. Boom. Mic drop. Jesus just twisted that thing. And is like, woo! Let's talk about this for a second. Let's pull up right here and say this. Look at it, verse 20. But if I with the finger of God, oh son, remember they don't like that. When ye pray, pray our Father. Jesus said, if I if I do it with God's finger, I'm his son, I'm an extension of, I'm telling you, I'm doing it with the right kingdom. You know what I'm saying? If I'm doing it with God's finger, casting out the devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. No doubt what you're seeing is of God and not of Beelzebub. Keep reading, keep reading. When a strong man armed, this is a parable. He hit him with it, hit him with the truth again from another direction. Now he's about to tell him a story. He's like, pull up chairs. It's Pharisee story time. 
It's about to get real, real, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm about to tell a story, and, I, and I'm about to roast them, you know what I'm saying? Jesus had this shirt, I'm telling you, that he wore, and it said, Pharisee Roast Session. He had, he had Bavarian roasted nuts with Pharisees' faces on them, and Jesus was passing them out. I don't need your money. I, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I'm just here to let you know I'm roasting me some Pharisees, you know what I'm saying? That's what's going on here. Pull up a chair. Let me tell you a story. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon, <laughs> I love the way he says, shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth the spoils. He is not with me, is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Story number two. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, oh my goodness, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they entered in, and dwelled there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman in the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee. She's like, I don't know who you Pharisees think you are, but whoever that boy's mama is, she's a good woman. He just roasted all y'all. That's what she's saying. But he said, yeah, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. hold up. Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Uh. There is so much truth up in this passage of Scripture. I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'm just going to read through some of these things. Can you, can you turn your minds on real quick? Let's, let's engage. Let's turn the light switch on. We're going to figure out what gospel logic is. Show me that slide real quick. Watch this real quick. I like basketball. Watch this real quick. To just make some shots. I mean, now, Bob Mute is an excellent defender. Clippers ball. Defender. He's averaging less than two points a game. He's not there That's to my boy the right there. Uh, it goes off, and the L.A. Lakers <laughs> scores it. <laughs> he scored for the wrong team. Is that all? Let's just stop. Let's stop right there. There's about ten of them. You get the point. My man Chris Paul coming down the lane, you know what I'm saying, pulls up. And the Laker was like, yeah, I'm about to grab this rebound. Whew! And the ball went off his finger and what? Scored a bucket for the opposite team. <laughs> That's what we do. We're sitting, Pastor Matt said, we're going hard in the paint. Hard, hard in the paint. I'm ready. I'm ready for that high percentage shot. I'm right down here. I'm about to share my faith. And then we, we just done went off and scored for the enemy. You just went and tipped the basket in for the wrong team. What happened with that? You charged out of church on Sunday, and you're like, me and God, we got this. And you're down there giving the devil high percentage shots. Here you go, devil. There's one for you. I didn't like her no way. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Gospel logic. If what I'm trying to teach you simply Jesus is hitting home, then you should start identifying things in your life that do not make sense. Jesus is casting out demons, and they're like, yep, by our observation, Bob, I don't know if the name of a Pharisee then, Bob, he did that in the devil's name. I think so too, George. 
Sorry, George. Didn't mean to pick on you. (laughs) I think so too, George. It was the way he approached the demon. His technique was all off. He was doing it for the devil. (laughs) You know, it's like these guys are like literally following him around, assessing all the little things. Listen, ain't nobody questioned the fact that my man on the Lakers team scored for the wrong team, yeah? That's logic. He felt it. As soon as it went off his fingertips and it went in the basket, he was like, oh, man, (laughs) I'm running laps in practice for that one. But why is it vague and gray in this realm? Why do we score bucket after bucket after bucket for the devil? And we're just cool with it. Ain't nobody keeping score around here, judgment free. (laughs) I got to get to my notes. Jesus cast out a devil and is accused of doing it through the power of Satan. After he is accused, they say to him, give us another sign. Oh, it's okay. I was really loud. I was scared. Give us (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't see it. The pulpit was blocking it. I didn't know what it was. I was like, security team, where are you? (laughs) We went went over this. Tornado. Code blue. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Dave. Uh, After he is accused, they say to him, give us another sign from heaven. Here's some things to note in the scripture, okay? The, de- the demon had control of the man. That some of the, if you don't get anything, just get this right here. The demon had control over the man. Why do we know that? Because as soon as the demon was cast out, the man was no longer mute. He began to what? Speak. Some of you need to just own up to the fact, and I'm not trying to get into hardcore spiritual warfare this morning, but there are just some things that you're doing, and you're a pawn. Like, you're under control. And, and Satan's got you. And, and it's time you own up to the fact that, you know, you've been out of control for a long time. And the, and the enemy is, is holding your tongue. And I'm, I'm just waiting and praying through to this moment that when you're free from that, you're going to feel so much freedom. Spiritual warfare is real. It would be ignorant for us to pass through this passage and not make note of the fact that There are demons, Ephesians talks about it, principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world that we war against. We don't war against each other. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the point is, is gospel logic, the Pharisees were were right in the sense that they said he did that in the power of who? Satan. But how many of us don't even go as far as they did? You're, You're beating up someone or something And they're possessed. They're oppressed. Are you still on a personal level? Is it still personal with you? They should have never. Well, wait a minute. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's above that. There are people that that are being controlled. So therefore, you should take some emotion out of the situation and pray harder. Bring kingdom resources down to fight something that is on the level of the kingdom and not on the level of this earth. That's something we should really understand. He's good at what... The, here, demons are home when they are using someone to do their bidding. We would look for an oasis if we were in a desert. This is something that I'm getting out of this text, right? Jesus talked the parable. When the demon left, 
he had to quickly return what? Home. If we're in a hot desert place, we're going to look for what? Water. A hot desert place to a demon is being without someone to control. That's what, that's what he's saying. A demon is in the desert when he doesn't have someone in his grasp. Duly noted, right? Occupying is how they accomplish the purpose from Satan. Here's the gospel logic. Jesus said a house divided against itself will what? Fall. So here's what we have. The kingdom of darkness, Satan, versus God's kingdom. Let thy kingdom come. Let's let's talk about prayer and how we're going to bring kingdom resources, right? Jesus set set this up perfectly. He said, I'm going to give you resources and then I'm going to explain to you why you're using them, right? It's, it's like giving, you know, a second grader an M16. Okay, Dad, now what? We're going squirrel hunting? <laughs> no, son, we're not going squirrel hunting. That's for a soldier to do soldier's work. I just taught you how to pray. I just taught you how to bring the kingdom of God to real-life circumstances, and you don't even know where to apply it. Gospel logic. Um, I, um. <laughs> I had a bag of trash in the nursery, and I thought I was going to be slick. You know, my wife's in there. I still got a little, you know, kindergarten in me. You know, <laughs> I'm like, yo, watch this, baby mama. I open the window, and I start swinging the trash because the dumpster is about 15 feet. I'm, I'm about to make it right quick. Wham! And I whack my arm on the top of the window. <laughs> But let me tell you something. That trash went in the dumpster. Yes, it did. Buckets. Buckets. And then I walked away like, wasn't that really cool, (laughs) y'all? Woo, that was really good. (laughs) I got a big old bruise right here. And it's warm, too. It's warm. I think I need a cast. (laughs) Y'all give me some sympathy. I have no idea where I was going with that story. (laughs) But the point is, is we're playing. (laughs) That's where I was going with it. God gives us prayer to be used in a game, in a conflict. You understand what I'm saying? And we're just like on the sidelines with it. Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) That prayer thing? Oh, no, even better. God praying, help my arm mend, right? That's where I was going with it. It takes me a minute. God, I hurt my arm. I hurt myself, you know what I'm saying? Swinging that trash out there. And we're going to use kingdom resources to pull it into something that we did ourselves. Anyway, that's the point. <laughs> Took me a minute. I got caught on the story, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Gospel logic. So if a house divided against itself cannot stand, then we have to rightly divide what's his and what's not. Because if we put what's in over here over in there, it will what? Crumble. Nice. Jesus challenges the religious leaders once again in verse 19. Whom do your sons cast out in the name of, is what he's saying. Jesus Jesus is calling out the differences between Satan's kingdom and God's, which they clearly did not what? They clearly did not understand. Let me help you with some things that Satan's kingdom. How many feel like sometimes you get it confused, what Satan actually does and doesn't do? Anybody? I know I do. This is going to help. Number one. 
Satan is not going to do something that is not accomplishing his purpose. A.K.A. letting go of a person that he had already taken up residency in. Jesus, you just did that in the name of Beelzebub. And Jesus is like, if Beelzebub put that demon there, you think he's going to give up ground? Ain't no way. Satan is not going to do something that is not accomplishing his purpose. Hello? He, he ain't giving up that ground. Number two, Satan will use anyone that is not a part of the kingdom of God. Verse 23. Anyone. No one is off limits. Verse 23 says, he that is not with me is what? Against me. You have to take this into, the, into consideration. If they are not saved, if they have not given their life to God, and if you have not given your life to Jesus, you better watch out. You're not sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. When you trust Jesus, the Bible says that he sends his Holy Spirit and seals you. That means there is nothing else that can possess you because you have your bottle has, has had the cork put in it by the Spirit of God, and you're sealed, done. Jesus, the down payment was paid and you're going to be fully redeemed one day and Satan cannot claim you. But if that ain't your story, he's going to mess with you all day long. Therefore, if someone is opposing you and you know they're not a believer, don't be upset with them. Don't take it out on them. They are being possessed, oppressed, led away. That's what the word says. If Jesus said, if they're not for me, if they're, they're not for me, they're against me. Number three, Satan is fighting an internal battle. Oh, my goodness. If we as a church can just get this one point, we would win so many more of these battles. But once again, we're using the wrong weapons on the wrong battlefields. Lord, I pray that you would just straighten her out. You're pulling kingdom resources on top of people's heads. Like, what are you doing? You're like Thor. That's not the right thing to do. That, it's not going to work out. God, Satan has gained an advantage. He is working. He is maneuvering. He is twisting the truth. And, and that is attacking me. It's attacking my family. It's attacking my children. Father, help me with the truth. Bring your spirit into this situation and just illuminate everyone's minds because that's what Jesus does. He's light. And Satan is really good at bringing darkness. Number, number three, that's, that's what I have. So think about that. He's not going to do something that is not accomplishing his purpose. He will use anyone that is not a part of the kingdom of God. And he is fighting an internal battle. So stop making it about you. And stop making it about other people and other positions and other things. This is about the heart. This is about the spirit. He could care less. And that's the thing. The, the devil uses like things and throws things out there and gets you distracted. Just like us, right? Men, distracted. Bright and shiny things. That's all it took. Satan will use anyone that is not a part of the kingdom of God. And anything. I'm just saying, like we, gospel logic, okay? 
Gospel logic. Jesus is calling out the difference here. So here's a few things that Jesus is. It, it's, there's so much hope. There's so much, uh, <laughs> there's so much grace in this text, in this story. It doesn't stop there, right? L- let's look at God's kingdom. Number one, Jesus is stronger than Satan. Jesus tells the story. Remember I told you it was a story. Stay with me. I got to move quickly. He said, there's a man that fortifies his house with an army. And as long as he's fortified and protected, his stuff is what? Safe. But then what does Jesus say? There's a stronger man that will come upon him and that will break it up and that will spoil all that he has. What does that mean? What is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is saying that the devil is working. You think I did that by Beelzebub, but let me tell you why I did it. I did it because I'm stronger than him. Jesus is the stronger man. And the devil has gone for thousands of years to claim souls, to claim lives, to claim your family, to bring you into a relationship with him, with his devices, with his addictions, with lust, with the pride of life. Everything that he can use to gain an advantage in your soul, he'll use it. And he's keeping people. And if we look at our city and if we look in our families and if we look in our, even in our church community, there are those that on the inside are being held captive by a strong man. And the Bible says that we should pray their eyes to be open. Why? Because there's a stronger man. And Jesus will besiege the castle of the kingdom of hell. And he'll break down the doors. And he'll redeem every last one of them. He'll pull them out against strongholds, the Bible says. This is spiritual warfare. And the Bible says that Jesus, as he's telling the story, he's like, I didn't do that for the devil. The devil wouldn't do that because... Whoever he's got in his grasp, he ain't going to let him go. But I'm stronger. That's what Jesus is saying. Isn't the word of God good? That story is good. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like you're being held. You feel like you're in chains. Then came Jesus. Son. Number two. Jesus redeems. He doesn't recruit. You're not going to play on his team today and the devil's team tomorrow. You're on the devil's team. He doesn't recruit. Come join my team. My uniforms look better. Uh uh-uh. uh. He doesn't recruit. He doesn't lure. He says, I'm about to break down the doors of the castle, and then he's staring you in the face. You're there, chained, in bondage. Think about this. Does he recruit? Does someone break down the door of a tormented chamber of an evil king that is holding all of his captives and then someone, a knight in shining armor, breaks all the way through, gets all the way to the door, unlocks the door and says, you want to be on my team? (laughs) Okay, if you do, your chains are on the ground. Come on, buddy. What is wrong with us? Jesus ripped open the door and we're coming bolting out. If you have found Christ, you found the winning team. You're not flip-flopping. You're not going back and forth. You're saying, I'm redeemed. I ain't never going back in that castle. The things that he did to me, how he tore my family apart. I'm never going to Satan's kingdom again. I'm on God's kingdom. Why do we think that Jesus recruits? He leaves the 99 to find the one. Oh, the overwhelming. 
never-ending, reckless love of God. That's not a recruiting tactic. That's a redeeming tactic. That's your being owned by the powers of darkness, and I'm redeeming you. I'm pulling you from it. Oh, man, if we could own that. He pursues with the power of God. Number four, ah, Jesus establishes the job of a follower to be one that guards the word of God. Look at the text. This is so important. I got 60 seconds. <laughs> I don't like this laughter. Look right there at, at 28. But he said, Yay, blessed are they that hear the word of God. Listen, and keep it. That word keep, I had to dive into that word. Church, listen, quick. In the Greek, that word keep means to guard. The Bible wasn't written in English. We've got to go beneath the text. What is the author trying to say? He, Jesus just set the tone and he said, I'm the stronger man. I'm besieging that castle with the power of God. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to break everybody out. And I'm going to do that with God's power. And, and go back to that slide. And he said, I'm going to establish the job of all those that I redeem to be guards of the word of God. That woman in the back said, remember, whoever your mama is, she a good woman. And Jesus said, whoever reads my word, gets my word and keeps it, guards it. He's my follower. He's the one who truly believes what you're trying to say. Church, listen. (laughs) We don't play on God's team without protecting what brings wins. Are you tipping in for the devil's team? You're tipping in for the devil's team. However you view the level of the word of God. How do I know if I'm scoring for the devil's team? How much do you cherish this word? How much is this word ordering your steps, defining your next move? Are your wins defined in the word of God? Or are they defined by your wicked heart? That's how you know if you're scoring. Jesus establishes the job of a follower, of his teammates, of those that are redeemed by those that guard his word. You see, I could get into basketball a little bit more because I really like it. But the point is, those that have a good defense will have a good offense. Those that learn to defend this with everything they have, cherish it, elevate it, put it where it belongs, and that's over everything, the word of God, will learn to use the sword of the Spirit when, when, is, when it's needed. Your level of the word of God and how you treat it is whether or not you're winning or not. If truth were a color in modern day culture, it would be gray. Church, listen. If truth were a color in modern day culture, it would be gray. But to Jesus followers, it's black and white. There are two types of people, John MacArthur says, the saints and the ain'ts. Religious people, listen to me, Religious people say, which verse will make me better this week? Redeemed people say, this book makes me worthy when I am weak. What team am I on? Satan's team will say, which one makes me look better? That's what the Pharisee said. You cast it out in the devil's name. Jesus said, 
It's those who guard my word. It's those who say I'm worthy because of this word. Not how can I leverage the word of God to make me look better? How can I quote a verse to my family to make them think I'm spiritual? Or are we like the publican over there that says, I'm not worthy, the word of God is. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the real deal. I don't say how you treat yourself. I didn't say how you view yourself. I didn't say how faithful you are to church. I didn't say how much you pray. I said, how do you treat and view the word of God? You can easily be doing these things to try to better yourself, but you should be doing these things because you have been redeemed. There is a difference between someone who goes to work for a paycheck and someone who goes to work because it's what they love to do. We're in a culture of a bunch of people who are just going to work for a paycheck. So you don't know what it's like to be redeemed to a team that the word of God is now your word. This is something that you hold in your heart that you might not sin against him. The problem in our culture is deep down, we only love ourselves. And so we are only doing the right thing as long as they make us happy and make us better. It ain't about doing the right thing. That's not what it's about. It's about guarding the right thing. At that point, I don't even need to defend myself. I'm just lifting up Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Simple message today. Gospel logic.